All right, hello and welcome to our third edition of the Drexel Basketball Podcast. I'm Nate. We got Dan Marshall's with us. Uh, Dan wanted to start out and talk a little bit about uh, links and I guess how to reach us and things. So Dan, take it away. What do you got? Yeah, so after our week one debut on YouTube, uh, which was moderately successful, we appreciate that. Uh, we went on to uh, an all audio format as well. So we now are available on YouTube. You're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, Cumulonimbus, wow. CastBox, <laughs> PocketCast, and Stitcher. And yes, I made up one of those. Wow. Um, so widely available now, basically anywhere you, you find podcasts. If you do want it somewhere else, please feel free to reach out Twitter or email and I'll tackle that for you. Um, the other disclaimer I have off the top, we're we'll leading up today's podcast talking about Drexel women's basketball. It's going to be three or four men talking to a largely male audience about women's basketball. And that's not lost on me. Um, we're always looking for more female voices. We're always looking for more female fans. Uh, of the programs and, and, and um, to kind of be as diverse as we can here and represent Drexel as best as we can. So I want to encourage everybody to go out there and, and um, we'll spread the word. And, and if anybody who would have interest in joining us to talk about the program, know that it's important to us. It's part of the Drexel family and we're putting it at the top for, for a reason. And it was because all three of us wanted it at the top. So really want to encourage everyone to, to reach out and be involved. Uh, thanks for that. Nate, it's after you. Yeah, just a second. Yeah, and yeah, Dan, you asked me earlier this week, what did I want to make sure I got through in this podcast? And yeah, I just wanted to talk to the women's team. And really, for me, it, it's a no brainer. Uh, if you watch the games this weekend, you understand why. I mean, and I mean, they've been a, you know, a breath of fresh air for, I mean, decades at this point. And, and now you almost see like we're, I mean, we're almost trending up with this team. We'll talk about that. But um, but but now I, I I agree with you. I didn't, it, it, to me, that's the point we're trying to get. You know, with a lot of things around, like I'm seeing these diversity quality hats in these NFL games, and you know, you want to get to a point where, yeah, you, of course you talk about the women's team because they're damn good. You know, that's really yeah, they're entertaining. So um, so yeah, and to start off with it, I'm really excited about. So um, this is kind of neat. In some sense, we're kind of like a post game women's. There's a big day in the CA today, so um, we'll cover all these things. So. Um, so uh, you know, I'll throw out there, and I know Marshall, you're kind of, you know, Dan asked you to be on it specifically, but um, we'll go, I guess, a chronicle, chronological order here. Um, I wrote down the score, so I didn't screw them up. Um, Friday night, the women's team went down to Charleston, won 61 to 60 on a layup with, what, like 3.8 seconds left. Um, Leonard, uh, you know, just another nice set play that we ran. And then um, pulled out a win today, 71-68 down in Wilmington. So... Um, if I get it right, we're 10 and two, we've won seven straight, uh, two big road wins, long trips. Um, so Marshall, I guess we'll go one game at a time. And I was just going to start general on, uh, on Friday night. what did you think about the game and any, any big takeaways you took from it? And then we'll kind of get into you know, piece by piece. Yeah, I think any win to start out CAA play is a good win, especially when it's on the road after nearly a month of not playing basketball. So that it, Kind of came the way that a lot of the season has come so far. It isn't necessarily the prettiest win. Uh, you could say what you want about the quality of the opponent, but a win is a win in in CAA play. And starting out one and zero is damn good. Yeah, and, I, and you said like I right at the top. I'm like, and I guess the this first game. I, yeah, I agree. I didn't think we played that well. Um, and this was kind of the game that you know Keyshawn Washington just kind of bailed us out. Is that kind of what you saw too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 
going to be rare where you end up with a game where Hannah scores zero points. But when you have a player like Kashana who's able to just take over and drop 33 the way that she did and just absolutely dominate, and especially dominate from the floor, it's not like that was a 33 that was uh, uh, really earned at the three-point line. Uh, the shooting from there was actually not that great that game. But just being able to take over and the dynamic player that she is, uh, it's, it's great to have her. Yeah, and and try to be. It's not that other players I think played poorly. We we just it seemed like we just missed open shots. You know, like like you said, Hannah was um, what zero for five. I have I've written down there. I mean, even Keyshawn. Yeah, you said one one of nine from three. And we were two of sixteen as a team. So it was like you know we had open looks. We just didn't make them. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just to have a player like that to bail us out is is a big deal. But um, but. You know, I, I was just curious your thoughts, and this is kind of an, an ongoing, I mean, I want to be positive, but I guess this team's so good that, like, you, you kind of look for things we could do better. And you may have more insight on this. Um, you know, we only went seven deep by my count on Friday night. Do you know, you know, where that comes from and what the thought process there? Do you have any idea on that? Yeah, it's been a question, I think, for a lot of the year so far among those of us that are uh, at the games. We have a number of players who even last year, uh, which we know that team was good last year, they were top of the conference and, and or towards the top of the conference and ended up winning the whole thing, had players who were contrib- contributing last year uh, who aren't really getting minutes at all this year, which is a bit surprising. Now, part of that comes in uh, with Tessa Brugler coming in as a transfer student and taking some minutes, uh, which is understandable. But you would still hope, to your point, that uh, especially in the out-of-conference and in the start of the conference season that you'd go a little bit deeper than that, just so that especially those uh, those seven players that you are going to lean on regardless aren't uh, aren't on really tired legs by the time March rolls around. Yeah, now it's like, I guess, you know, Borky, High Duke, and then Satman, those are the three that come to mind right away of kind of wondering what's going on there. But I, I said to Dan a couple, I'm like, in Amy Mellon, I trust. So I, I don't know if she's using them as like secret weapons, you know, at some point. She's going to kind of, you know, pull them out of nowhere and, and you know, come through for us. But that was just one thing I noticed. I was curious why you know, we didn't see a little bit more of them. But um, but no, but to be yeah. positive, you know, I, I think, you know, and you, you mentioned Brugler, too, and Leonard. I mean, it, they gutted things out, I felt. I don't know if you did. You know, they, they rebounded the ball well. That made a big difference for us, I thought. So. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. In, in Amy, we trust. It's hard to argue with the program's best ever start to a season at 10-2. and two. So uh, I will always caveat any of my analysis that I am not an X's and O's guy when it comes to basketball. Uh, I'm more of an eye test, and they are more than passing the eye test with that record, uh, despite whatever uh, non-advanced analysis I can bring to the table and, and try and poke holes and things. Yeah, and before I came, they haven't lost since Black Friday, if I'm right. That was the Nebraska game. But I've been kind of keeping an eye on. I think I think Nebraska lost today. At least they were losing at the end. So, um, yeah, it speaks to how well they're they're playing in general. But and I, and I too, I'm not an X and O's guy, but again, I liked. I, I caught at the end. We ran that that play. I think we put like one player at each corner of the paint. And then they, we, we got a wide open layup and they called a foul. And I just like telling Amy Mallon, we ran the same play. I mean, we went right back to it. Um, and I think, I forget what ended up, we ended up not scoring off it. But I mean, she, Amy Mallon wasn't afraid to say, hey, that worked. I'm doing it again. So, 
run it till you could stop me. Yeah. That's the other thing, you know, I caught the the last few minutes um, of both of the games this week, and and um, the one thing that impressed me at the end of the Charleston game, right, is that they they ran um, it was handed to Kashana, um, and that play uh, it was a missed bucket. Uh, right, Charleston got the rebound. This was with I think a tie game, right? Uh, Charleston got the rebound and then walked, which I'll say is dubious, but we'll take it as Drexel fans, right? <laughs> and then the the very next play, you know, coming off the timeout, Amy calls uh, exactly what you're talking about, Nate. And it's I think Hendrickson with the inbound, inbounding to uh, Mariah Leonard. So it's it's she used totally different personnel on both plays, and that's really hard I think to coach against. And then. Um, you know, so so you inside had the, the Wilmington broadcasters today talking about, you, you know, they're gonna they're gonna go to to um, Hannah and Washington here, Nyla Washington here. So they said on the broadcast that it's not necessarily. I mean, those are the headlines for, for these dragons. But we talk about lack of depth. There's kind of depth within the starting five. There's a lot more moving pieces. I feel like than we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, Mariah Leonard, huge rebound, huge rebound to secure the win today, um, late and, and and so they've got people at multiple positions getting the job done kind of everywhere. And when you don't have, you know, everything running as much as you'd like and, and, and uh, you're playing maybe some closer games than you'd want to be in, how huge is it to have those that supporting cast step up? And so it was nice to see Mariah Leonard hit that shot too, of all people. You know, I, I think you always feel like she's teetering on being that, you know, we always have that post player, not dominant, but they, they can hit a big shot every now when you need it. And, Hope that goes a long way for her too. I mean, she had a pretty good game today too, but it's nice to see her hit that shot. Yeah, Mariah seems like she always is in a position and ready and willing to make the big play, whether it's getting that bucket, whether it's getting the necessary rebound, whether it's taking a charge. Those you don't necessarily go into the game banking on her to make those plays, but she's going to make that play at some point critical in the game. I think the the rebounding, I was actually looking at the box score. It looks like in both games uh, to start conference play, uh, we were exactly even with the opponents in each game. 45 rebounds apiece in the first game, 40 apiece in the second one. It seems like our rebounding is also timely too, where we'll be giving up a lot of second chance, even third chance points earlier in the game. But then when the game's on the line, we are securing those rebounds and ultimately bringing the totals even. But it's, uh, I guess, I don't know if you call that situational basketball or just knowing the moment and really stepping up your your level of play in those moments, but it's definitely good to see. And it's by never being the, the bigger team, you're right. We always seem to find a way to get the rebound, especially when we need them. I, Dan, I think you commented, I wrote in your Twitter post, I think that was about today's game that Mariah had a big rebound. So they always play a little bigger than what they are. And, and having Brewler in there too, now we actually have some size is, is a big benefit, but just one other point I made, you know, you said about our starting five. Again, we I thought we 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 got open shots against Charleston, just didn't make it. But I have us for 17 assists to, to Charleston's nine. So we really moved the ball well. We just didn't make open shots is what it came down to. So, um, But still won the game, found a way to win. And you're on the road in the league on a Friday night after you haven't played in how long. I mean, hey, you just you take the W and move on. So, all right. Anything else you guys saw from Friday night you wanted to, to point out or anything? Yeah, I mean, the only I thing, think there was a yeah, question. I, you guys have said it, but the um, you know, Hannah didn't score a point. They went two of sixteen from three in Charleston. Yeah, they they won the game on the road in, in a league game. Mm-hmm. That's not something that happens here. 
and and uh, it's 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 a great sign of things to come. And again, it's a ten and two team, Nate. One loss to maybe a top ten, top fifteen team in the country. Yeah. Um, and the other loss was was that kind of first game of the season that I always kind of throw out. This team has the potential to be really really good, mm-hmm. and and I really hope uh, everybody pays attention. Yes, and and then yeah. Delaware, what they they won down there today at Charleston, but only by two. And the game was in the 80s, and because they, they're talking about on Friday night how you know Charleston averages in the 80s, and we kept them in the 60s. So um, that so was an overtime. I will say that was an overtime today. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Charleston's a pretty good team, and you know, so a nice win on Friday night for sure. So, um, so you know, going to today, um, you know, I, I guess you know, in, in you guys kind of said it, you know, our starting five really being solid, and you know, um, you know, there was a stretch there I, I've written down. I think it was like. You know, maybe like the, I think it's the second quarter where you really saw all the sort of moving pieces, you know, where like, I think we drove and kick Hendrickson hit a three, then Brugler got two points on a feed inside. And then I think Nihil got a steal and we got in transition. This team can score in so many different ways. You know, they can go inside, they can be in transition, they can hit primer shots. And we started to pull away and then I just felt like, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on her name. I'm showing my amateurism there. Who is the star? The Costa for, um, right, UNC Wilmington. She just it's kind just of took good. over. But at least early on, we saw, I think, what we were really capable of. Um, and then she got going and it got close. But what do you guys think about how things went today? That's a Marshall. I'll let you take that. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, sorry. I think I'm on a slight delay. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I think – Coming in second game of a road trip doubleheader, all you can do is ask for that win. It doesn't need to be pretty. Uh, you, you, if you get anything above the win, then it's great. So I think the fact that we did see uh, Kate Connolly return, uh, and actually I think she got the start today. Uh, didn't right. play too many minutes after that, uh, but ended up um, ended up getting that critical overtime shot uh, late in the game. She got minutes early, minutes late, and and is really the reason that we won with that shot that was able to send it to overtime. Um, I would say, the, and if you've ever heard me talk basketball before, the thing that uh, annoys me more than anything else is poor free throw shooting because you're literally giving away free points. And it was a little uh, surprising to see us only go about 61, 62% from the line today, eight for 13. Um, yeah. So that's, that's in my opinion, one of those easily correctable things that, uh, that would be my main takeaway, but other, everything else you can kind of excuse it between the second game after a long layoff. Yeah, I think, you know, like like Tess Brugler has a chance to be like that piece that we've never had, you know, that that kind of, you know, even a notch above, like, you know, and Leonard can be a really good player. Like, but I think I think we saw her best. I think it was the third quarter. She had, I think, like eight straight points and, and she scored it within the offense. So it was like, you know, either she was cutting or you know it was a driving dish that sort of thing um so i, I feel like sometimes when we we kind of drop it i think she'll continue to develop i like to see her develop a post game where we can dump it to her but and not to single her out but i think her free throw shooting i i agree with you i think she'll get better as time goes along but i don't know what you think i think she has a chance to be a huge piece for us yeah i agree with that um tessa is definitely one of those players that we have I wouldn't say never had, but have rarely had. Um, I've uh, I've frequently bemoaned the fact that we uh, don't go seemingly after like a six foot five uh, type center, even if they're a uh, a project uh, 
uh, of a type of player. So the fact that we have her as a grad transfer and she's able to step in and immediately be that double double consistency uh, has been just another pleasant surprise and is probably a good reason that we are ten and two. Yeah. No, so if she could be someone, uh, you wonder too if you know she's a little nervous about getting to the free throw line. Does that affect her shooting? Uh, she's a little bit more tentative, but. Um, but no, I, I hope if she can get that squared away, I mean, she could be, you know, a huge piece for us. So, um, but, um, but on night. And so then I, I thought we played well in this game. I, I thought I took it more as UNC Wilmington. You know, yeah. You remember too, we're the defending champions. So we're going to take everybody's best shot. So I know you look at the standings and be like, Oh, well, we're, they were picked, I think sixth or seventh and we're second. So it should be an easy win, but no, on the road. So. Nice to see us get a win despite oh, – now, now late, Kishana kind of carried us, but I thought for big chunks of this game, she really wasn't the the big piece to the offense. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. But um, but now, so, um, you know, and a, and a good play there at the end, like you said, and Brugler actually made that pass, saving it to to um, to uh, Kate Connolly to get the shot to tie the game. But but now just, again, and, and – yeah, going back to again the depth, I think and I I don't know I I, I was just using, I, I was listening to the Penn State men's game. I was out running on Saturday afternoon, and they were talking about how I guess they played out at Northwestern and they got in early. I think like Thursday morning, and there, the the Penn State radio guys were talking about how tired the uh, the Penn State looked. I don't know I don't know if you felt like fatigue was an issue for us because it seemed like you know, again we had a really good stretch, got up ten, and then it seemed like our offense was kind of in slow motion, and then. They came back, especially with the Costa, you know, really kind of getting going. But did, did you feel that way? Did you feel like fatigue set in, or is that just me? I don't necessarily know if I would call it fatigue. I think, or certainly not physical fatigue. I think if there's one uh, one player who exemplifies the team, it's Hannah, who seemingly has an endless motor. If you watch her play, <laughs> uh, she'll she'll give it her all for forty, or in this case today, forty five minutes. Uh, of game time forever long she's in there. So I don't necessarily think it's physical uh, fatigue. It might just be like the end, again, end of a long road trip or you get into the middle of the game, especially against a team that maybe is playing better than you expected them to. And uh, and it's hard to sustain it. I mean, that's what is one of the components that's made the Drexel women's basketball team so good for so long is they do have a uh, a mental edge, I think, in that they know that if they play their game, they are going to be in the game and have a chance to win it. So even if they do have that middle two quarters where it's not necessarily going the way you expected, they uh, they will do basically what they did in the CAA championship game where they were down, uh, I think, double digits or close to double digits at the half. And none of us were concerned that they would be out of it by the time that final buzzer was approaching. They find a way. One other thing, yeah. One other thing, real quick, that I wanted to mention on the layoff is just that it wasn't just a ten-day layoff; it was a layoff due to COVID, which means that you didn't have more than seven players available. So that means you had most of your team, you know, going through a, a, a COVID, which, which again, they're vaccinated; they're probably fine. My point is that they can't practice um, when you're when you're down to five, six players. You can't run five on five, right? Yeah. We saw this on the men's team something um, you know I heard a lot about on that side and I'm sure the women's team you know, went through it the same way if you can't practice it's hard to prepare it's hard to go ready it's just it's not your ordinary layoff between games right. so long layoff tough layoff where you can't prepare then you've got the, one of the hardest trips as far as travel of the season um, and 
you go two and zero. Oh. You don't care how you get there, right? You know, this is this was this was they had everything up against them, and and I really think uh, got to be really happy with with the outcome, regardless of how you got there. Yeah, and and again, I, I the depth and again, it's it's because you're you're thinking at least I am thinking down down, you know, downstream in this season, even coming off a layoff. I, I think I have us. We went by my count. I think what seven or eight deep. Six players scored. I almost felt like UNCW almost was like trying to to counter that they played eleven players, and then eight scored. Um, and even for us, I think Kate Connolly only played seven minutes, and Valentine only played six minutes. So yeah, like you said, we really relied on our starting five. So yeah, you know, I, again, I you know we don't ask those questions of Coach Mallon. I trust her. Know that she knows what she's doing. You, you know, there's some players. Though, I, I think it would help if we just threw them out there and gave them some minutes. But that's just me. We'll see how things go. So. Um, yeah, but um, especially what that does for future seasons too, because we're 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 very fortunate that Hannah decided to come back for a season that uh, maybe in another situation she doesn't uh, decide to do that. Um, so we're very fortunate that that she did. So ensuring that we do have those younger players uh, developing their game and getting conference play uh, experience will be really important for not just however the rest of this season plays out, but 2023 and beyond. Yeah. And I was sitting there, I'm like, man, yeah, once he's, this group graduates, we're, yeah, we're going to be in trouble. So I, I figure, Hey, she, she knows what she's doing. We'll figure this out, you know, and we'll see how the next few games, like Nick Suriani realized, Hey, I got to run the ball and there you go. Uh, we'll take care of that stuff. So, um, but yeah. And just, yeah, just, a, a, you know, at least on me, my end finishing again, I, it's always surprises me when you bring up women's basketball and people that, you know, are really good fans and they just look in it like, what well, do you see the game? And they just look at you like, well, no, of course I didn't watch it. And you're like, again, if you're a sports fan, I mean, two excellent basketball games uh, this weekend. And, and I, you mentioned the tournament. I mean, they, that made my weekend watching us, you know, come from behind and beat Delaware. And, you know, if you follow the program too, I, it's not about beating Wilmington. It's something about that their coach throws me a little the wrong way. And I know they have the, the assistant was a Delaware coach, you know, who I'm getting a little mean here, but you know, if you and I, any of the three of us had Elena Deladon on our roster, we would have won CA women's basketball championships too. So just, it, it's nice to, to beat that program too. Um, so it, it's, it's fun. So I, I hope not just, you know, I, I hope we get everybody on board and, and support this team. So, but yeah, I, I think to UNCW in particular, their coach has never actually beaten Drexel, if I have that stat right, or at the very least, it's been quite a few seasons. So, and then yeah, with Tina Martin as an assistant, it's always uh, for for fan, fans who are uh, deep cut uh, in the weeds like that. It's uh, always a nice win. But I think you said it really well. I I'm not a fan of Drexel men's basketball or Drexel women's basketball. I'm a fan of Drexel basketball, yeah. and to me, the programs fall under that same umbrella. Um, I I tend to equate what is one's favorite team is based on who they would most want to see win a championship. And for me, I would be completely fine with either of those teams winning a championship. Uh, so I don't think I can pick a favorite between the two. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, uh, so yeah, but perfect. But any other thoughts about the weekend and what, what went down? Anything to add? I think the only other thing is uh, now coming out of that, they've got four in a row at home over the uh, second half of January, uh, Friday, Sunday, uh, this coming week, which uh, I know the NFL games are still playing out right now. So hopefully the Eagles game in particular doesn't get scheduled right alongside of that, because uh, if it is, we may have a, some people following along on the Eagles game on their phones while at the DAC. 
DVR, because then you could sit there, and if it's a horrible game, you fast forward, and you didn't waste three hours of your life. That's I've done that all season, so so anyway, well, well, yeah. But yeah, it'll be cute, a few things to balance based on how schedules come out this weekend. That's for sure. Definitely. So. All right. Well, Dan's gonna do some magic here with the the pause or whatever. We'll leave that up to him, and we'll be right back. Thanks, Marshall, for joining us. All right. So welcome back. Uh, so we're going to transition here and, and talk about the men's game. Uh, trying to refresh my memory because it's been almost a week now since Drexel beat Towson uh, at the DAC. Final score was 65 to 61. Uh, talk about the men's program now, of course. So, um, so uh, we'll just kind of go uh, one gentleman at a time. Uh, Dan, I guess what were your overall thoughts of the game on uh, Monday night that we picked up the win? Well, there's a nice theme to this, right? Uh, with the women, it's. Um you'll take winning ugly in certain circumstances. Sometimes, sometimes you don't want to give up those moral victories and sometimes you just take victories and the men won ugly. It went really ugly. Um, there was, turns out one COVID casualty for last week's game. That was Amari Williams wasn't available. Where Drexel is, is thin at the five this year, uh, the big man position. It's basically just him and JB. JB goes into the game. He takes a couple of knocks. My understanding is those um, injuries, what they were occurred during the game. I was curious. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I, th- I thought it might have been coming in. Um, he wasn't having a particularly effective game from the get go. Yeah. And again, I think you just have a bigger guy on him than he's you know necessarily used. To. He doesn't usually handle the guys who are larger than him particularly well. Um, he had Charles Thompson on him, who's you know listed six seven two forty. I mean, he looks bigger than that. I mean, if you, if you make JB look small, you're pretty big. Um, so I think it was just. Tough matchup to begin with. Then he takes a couple of knocks. Eventually has to leave the game. Can't come back. Drexel doesn't have a center anymore. They're using, you know, um, Malik Martin, 6'6", 220. You know, on, on the aforementioned Charles Thompson. Cam Holden, who started off sluggish. with where He had to wear a mask because of a broken jaw. He looked like he was not at all comfortable with that mask for the first half. All of a sudden figured it out in the second half. It looked much better. But, you know, they were – Taz was able to push things around and – it was a bit of an indictment on Pat Scary. I thought that they settled for as many outside shots as they did, and kind of gave Drexel the opportunity to um, not need to defend the interior at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Spiker threw a bunch of junky defenses. Um, it's, you know, he said in the post game. I know motherhood is or uh, necessity is motherhood invention. I know he likes that quote. So do I. <laughs> um, it's true. I have other thoughts on that, but it was good to see them get creative when they needed to be creative, mm-hmm. and. Um, they stole it. It's just they stole it. Drexel stole that win. Um, they had a, they had a team across the way that was a top one hundred team in the country coming to this game, best in the conference um, by ratings coming in, and that was um, fully manned. You know, besides Cam Holden being probably Drexel's best player in the first half until he figured things out. So you have that kind of opponent coming in, and you're you don't have a big man at this level. You expect to lose that game. You expect to lose that game every time. Great credit to the coaches. Great credit to Cam Winter, who acknowledged he didn't have a good first half, came out, had one of the best halves you're going to see him play in the second half, I thought. Yeah. Um, Mateo Kroos and Coltrane Washington hit from deep. That was huge. Um, the three-point shooting that we've been saying hasn't been what it could be this year. You know, This is what we thought it could be. 52% maybe is a bit much, but they needed every bit of it this game, and, and it came through. So um, you still see Xavier Bells coming back from an injury. So that, that was another another man. These guys are really shorthanded, really really shorthanded. Get that win against a top one hundred team. You gotta you gotta like it. You gotta take it. And you gotta run with it. You, they robbed them. 
Eric, what do you think? Anything you took away for the game there? Yeah, I, I, I think that Drexel definitely stole that game. It was pretty unbelievable. Shooting 52.4% from three. Oakers hitting five out of six. I, 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 you know, the first, they shot just as well in the second half as they did in the first from three. They weren't guarding the perimeter. They were just, I thought we, had, I wouldn't say we outcoached them, but I think, you know, they didn't make the adjustments they needed to make. And, uh, you know, I, I thought we didn't really have a, 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 any right to win that game, but neither did Towson for that matter. Um, but it was nice to see, you know, those are the kind of games when it goes late like that. I'm used to seeing us lose, to be honest with you. And the fact that we won, it was just might have been a trip to Towson. And because if you look at that last play of the game, he went, the guy went right to the rim, just missed a layup. Um, well, Yurch was a rim protector. Did he watch uh, on that last play? He was a rim protector. He, he, he uh, altered the shot enough that he missed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes, yeah, the guy last. That's not your last line of defense, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, it, 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 yeah, the ball rolled out, got the rebound, and that was it. And uh, very cavalier on defense. It was kind of disappointing, but you know, we got the win. How many times we played great, and uh, down at the end we lose. Yeah. So things even out over time. Take the win, like Dan said, it's a top top hundred team. I saw Drexel really jumped up. Uh, at least when I followed the Sagar, and they jumped up a bit. So um, get a little confidence. Nice, nice to have a winning record going into conference play. Yeah, and, and to throw out some stats, got to add it. You know, and, and why it, it you you're a little surprised we won just because we got dominated so bad in the post. Because I get I have forty two to twenty was a difference of points in the paint. Seventeen to six, Towson advantage on second chance points, and then Thompson and Holden. I think I had them down for combining for about forty two points. So yeah, they own the paint. They took it to us. Um, but yeah, I mean, give Okros credit. You know, I, I think he. I, you know, I, I don't talk to him personally, but he'd probably tell you that he isn't shooting the ball as well as he would have liked to so far this year. So it was nice to see him, you know, really kind of come out um, and 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 knock down some big shots for us. Um, you know, I, I and you know another player I liked because you talk about and Dan, you talk coming in that game about toughness and how we needed some of that. And you know, Odin didn't play the best game. I, I think he was zero for five from the floor, but I think he had didn't he have that a late rebound? I'm remembering that, you know, or something like that, a really tough, re- I think on the missed shot, right, on, at the end, I think he grabbed that rebound in traffic and and kind of sealed the win. So it was nice to, and like you said, Malik Martin too, um, you know, showed a little bit of toughness for us, but I thought Odin in particular just to, to give us a little bit of an edge there at the end. So I don't know if you guys felt that way too. But, yeah, Martin, you know, Martin, Martin's all over the floor. Um, I, I still waiting to see him get synced up with this offense. Um, but he does a lot of stuff that doesn't show up in the, in the stats. You know, he's out there, he's playing hard. Uh, he's, he's taking, he's getting hit. Uh, so I, I definitely expect to see more from him in the second half of the season once he gets adjusted. I mean, he's a, he's a senior guy, so uh, just waiting for that to happen. Yeah, I think Martin and Odin, and I think they play the same position, and we're, we're kind of saying the same thing about both of them, right? One's, one's obviously got some experience, but was a transfer in. And, and to your point, uh, Malik may not be as in sync with the team right now. Whereas Odin looks like he, he knows the system better and maybe it's just a little bit younger and more raw. But um, both of them are, are really, you want them on the floor, right? Because exactly what you said, Eric, they just find, they seem to find their way to the ball and um, they seem to get involved. So it's been fun. And I'm going to keep talking to the sophomore class till I'm blue in the face, but these just seem to be they, the toughness thing, right? Like they bring that to the table. We actually did see a lot of bells, I'm thinking of it on Monday for one reason or another, but. Yeah, but he's he, still recovering, I think, from that injury that, that he took, um, I want to say, before the new year. 
Got it. Okay. He only had 11 minutes. wasn't okay. a, It wasn't a bell night. Because he's a guy no, who will take it to the rim. Yeah. Talk, yeah. He, he's a guy who won out there against Towson. A guy who can take knocks, right? And the yeah. fact that he wasn't out there kind of tells you he's he's not back yet. I'll tell you that Towson's played the same style since I can remember. <laughs> it's the same, same thing remember. every year. You know, it's a rock fight. It's uh, constant physicality. Uh, it's, it's stupid turnovers. Uh, they you know, they can't they still can't shoot from the perimeter. I mean, they've had guys in the past that've done it, but uh, not not a recipe for success. So so you know, on some nights they can look great and they can play with anybody, and other nights they just just you, you wonder how they got to where they did. Pat Scary didn't have a good game. I think yeah. you can all be on the same page there. He did not have a good game. Yeah, I agree with you. It seemed like late they they settled what when they were 0 for 8 from three in the first half and three for twenty in a game. It definitely felt like they they settled at the end. I mean, and, it, and that made that helped us out. The other piece, uh, I will say Jackson picked third in the preseason poll this year, and I took some you know, umbrage to that because they're the defending champions that bring it back the best two guys you would think that they would get the respect of probably being to the top, if not two in the preseason poll. I was surprised. I think people pointed to Bickerstaff, but more people pointed to the fact that they were four and five last year. They had two home games last year in conference play. Yeah. Two, including, you know, conference tournament also as a true road game. You know, they had two home games. This was the, this is the difference. You can get away sometimes with not bringing your A game at home. And, and that's what they did here. And obviously there were reasons they didn't have their A game this week. Um, but being, being at home, was the difference maker to me, even with the attendance of 600, whatever it was in, in, in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and I do want to actually ask Eric about that. Eric, you were there. What's yeah. the field of the deck this year? Well, 2,500 seats and 600 people. Realistically, I'll be honest, I think that's tickets distributed. I would guess anywhere between three and 400 people were in that building. So, you know, one in eight seats are filled. I was there with my son, you know, uh, it was fine. You know, you, you could easily, uh, socially distance at the DAC. And unfortunately we've been doing that for years. Um, but it was yeah, it really joke to me last year. The, 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 it, it, I've noticed this theme of Coppin state was the same way. You see families of the, of the one of the players is a Philadelphian on the team. The family comes in and uh, they're louder than the rest of the building at large. I know the students aren't there yet. That makes a difference when they come back, but um, it's a little bit embarrassing uh, to be honest, just to, you know, you know, I think people are jinxing our foul shooters, you know, <laughs> scream, scream when they shoot the foul shot. And you could hear everything. I mean, I shouted out to, 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 to the Coltrane Washington once and he acknowledged me. And I don't know that loud a voice. And uh, you know, he looked up at me and he smiled. And, you know, that, that's what you could do with Drexler. It's kind of special in a way, but it, it's sad. Too. I'll say this. You sent me a clip and I can tell you for sure that Calvin Hicks was there, which is which was good to see in here. So that's it's always it's always good to have Cal in the house. I wasn't wearing a mask though. I was I was a little worried with the, with the bullhorn. I was I know Drexel's virtual. If I'm, I think are they are on campus, but just not at class, or a lot of them just stay at home. What's the my understanding is is they are virtual, so they're not probably not on campus. Okay, um, by and large, you know, I mean, with Drexel, a lot of the upperclassmen are are, are not in student housing, so they probably have rentals. But um, you know who actually came back from their parents for New Year's. That was right on, right on, right on New Year's, right? So it's just, it was a tough, I, I think there's a lot of outs. I'm as hard on Drexel marketing as anybody, but I will tell you, it's the middle of a pandemic. It's, it's maybe the height of the pandemic right now. Students weren't on campus. I'm not going to hit them too hard on the attendance for this one. Uh, national TV game would have been nice, but you got to kind of get what the Lord took you on this one and, and move on. Yeah, I, 
Yeah, I agree because I wrote down the the six hundred. It's because it, it stands out when you're reading the box score. You're like, wow, that's really low. But no, you're right. And in a sense, I'm glad if there's ever a time to have this type of attendance, it's it's right now. Um, but I do hope, you know, and, and I don't even know if it's going to be this year where you feel really comfortable putting like 2,500 people in there. But honestly, I feel more comfortable when you play places like Towson and you know, even Delaware, like an open arena, you know, it's probably a better situation, but, um, but, but I, and I'll just say the, the, the start time, I'm not a huge fan of 6 PM. I mean, certainly, I mean, I know from Mechanicsburg, it's almost impossible to get there on a weeknight anyway, but even you got to live pretty close to campus to make it for, um, you know, a, a six o'clock start. So it really is a made for TV situation. So, and you probably say that's probably better than, you know, the, the seats that you're filling, although it's not the best look for the people at home that are watching on TV. So, yeah, so you have to balance. There actually were people sitting off to the right in the, the general admission stands were actually the fullest part of the building, which is off to the right, but you couldn't see that on TV. You just see, you see the uh, towels and fans on the left and the season ticket holders on the right. And that was it. Yeah, that's what you did. We said too in general mission when we go, it's the cheapest tickets. So, yeah, that's probably yeah. where, you know, but that's good like seats CBS too. Probably have, actually, it sounds like CBS should probably have a discussion with the folks at the deck to maybe move, get those folks moved over. Uh, <laughs> they, they've done things like that before, actually. Yeah, I've mm -hmm. seen it at, at uh, the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, Rugby Sevens at uh, PPL Park or Subaru Park, as you call it now. They did that. They, they told people that. You know, the building was a third full, and they told everybody to move to the far end, and it really looked like a full house. It really makes a difference. Yeah. But I will say, you know, and and, and there, is, I do feel like there's effort, you know, like, and, and we'll make sure I go to a women's game, but they put out a bunch of autograph sessions. I know that's, I don't know if they're actually going to still do that, um, but they had planned, you know, like New Year's Eve, there was going to be a, like a New Year's Eve celebration. I think they gave out stuff for like the putting up the banner and stuff. And I know the banner, I guess, didn't come down the way they wanted, but. Yeah. I guess just to say there's been signs of life. So hopefully, you know, even when it's safer and better times, we, we see better crowds. And we keep winning basketball games, too. That's going to make a big difference, too. So I got a video um, of the unfurling. I'll send it to you. But, but it, you know, and, and another thought I have, I mean, yeah, in a sense, you know, you could say Towson gave it away. But, you know, do you feel like maybe we were the more polished team in a way? Because I, I, I know you've seen... I can think of teams in the past. Yeah, they're great. They can get it to the rim, but they can't make free throws. They can't make a jump shot to save their life. I don't have the turnover numbers down in front of me, but I mean, do you feel like you feel that way? We were maybe a little bit more polished, if if that's a good word. It's a relative term, but yeah, I wouldn't say neither team was polished, but I just think Drexel. Yeah, they kind of knew each other a little bit better. The turnovers a little bit lower. Drexel got a re out rebounded by ten. I guess when you're missing all these threes, you get these long rebounds and you know, Towson got an offensive boards. Um, but yeah, I just I just thought it wasn't much Drexel won as much as Towson lost. Yeah, and I, I think you could go with either one. Um, I, I don't think they were particularly polished. I I think from a guard's perspective, right, as far as passing and play calls and, and everything else, if you want to go that way, Nate, I, I get it. Um, but much we we're, we're talking about the women coming off of a break with really no practice. So I didn't expect them to be polished. This was a take whatever you can. And, you know, if you get a win, that's, that's, that's it. Just get there however you can triage situation. Right. Yeah. So um, you're not going to see polish. I don't think generally there, that said, um, yeah, I think the plays when you run are a little cleaner, probably seem to be run a little more cleaner, a little more discipline than Towson is what I talk about when I talk about the difference between Lake Martin, who's new to the offense and Lamar Odin, who's, new in playing time, but has been here for for a year and a half, right? I think the folks who, who 
we have a lot of folks in the system who know the system really well and that helps yeah i want to get the name trey Mar or trey brown in here um because he you know in a sense you talk about being polished sometimes i wish we'd be a little bit more unpolished you know with like cam winner you know sometimes there's you, know, you say a great second half but sometimes i just like to see him sort of like bell you know just just put the ball on the floor put his head down get to the foul line and score there um, but I like, you know, Brown got aggressive there on that last possession, got to the foul line and made what essentially were the game winning free throws. So it was nice to see him make that play. Is he the fastest guy on the roster, you think? <laughs> Could be. I, I feel like he plays very under control. I like, I like the, I, you know, he said, I feel like we've been doing more with him at point and winner at shooting guard. And I'm curious how that'll work. And I think actually at the end, that's what it was. You know, Brown was actually the point guard and he took it to the rim and got fouled. I think he's one of the more athletic guys at the very least. And, and I think that he does bring something there. And uh, I really haven't looked at him closely defensively. I'd like to see if that translates um, because he could be, yeah, he's, he is a nice piece and he came up huge in this game to your point, Nate, when, when, he, when they needed him, he had some, some iffy turnovers too, but when he needed him, he was, he was the guy and, and he went and he didn't, he didn't look uh, twice. He knew his role and, and he attacked and he was successful. So you have to look at a guy like that and say, we have to find a role for him this offense and i think they're doing a good job of it yeah all right anything else about the game you guys wanted to throw out there i think also that one more thing i'm looking at the stats free throw shooting thousand bailed us out 47 percent eight for 17 from the line yeah now you know the three points were the difference but the foul shots also contribute to the negligence mm -hmm. for me can win a second half you know maybe the biggest story of the season because we've been waiting for him to kind of break out. Right. And he had a huge second half. Second mm -hmm. half numbers were incredible. So after coming off and again, I think he was the one they spoke to going into halftime or maybe in the post game. And he said, I didn't have a good first half. He knew it. I don't know how they talked to him at halftime, but he came out new man. And that was to me. Yeah. Towson definitely contributed to their own demise, but Cam winter won that game for the dragons. Um, and man, did you need to see signs of a breakout from him? Yeah. So, yeah. Great, great, great sign for the future, too. Yeah. He had a real tough uh, late December. He and Butler. And Butler really was struggling. He was – I couldn't tell what – I think he had two injuries. I couldn't tell what part of the body that he was pointing to because it seemed like he was hurting everywhere. But I'd never – you know, he's a tough guy, and I, I saw him lumbering up and down the court, and they did the right thing pulling him. Uh, I hope he's all right. Um, but, I, you know, I – I think it was pointing to his abdomen and his lower back. I don't know. I can't diagnose. <laughs> Maybe, Nate, you could, but I, I couldn't see what, what was wrong. But uh, he was not himself. Well, well it's, it's a good time, and, and I've got to find some wood, and I'm not going to say it, but I, I feel like the, like, I-N-G-U-R-Y bug hasn't really hit us this year compared to other years. Uh, so I, I, it's a credit to our training staff. I don't want to discredit our prior training staff. I know there was conversation about that, but – Either we've been very lucky or maybe we changed something up as far as conditioning goes because you know, we've, we've been able to, to keep most of the guys on the floor for the most part, I think. so. Well, it's a uh, nice change from the bruiser, from the bruiser years, for sure. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's, been, there's been a change in, in training staff, and, and you don't know. You know it's, it's, it's also been a change in luck, perhaps. But to do note, I mean, Xavier Bell was out. Amari Williams or was, was hurt and, and limited. Amari Williams was out. We lost J.B., so, I mean, that's, that's a pretty healthy amount of your, your starting, you know, your, your kind of important minutes. Yeah. So, so to that point, we'd be good. And, you know, I, I know it's um, 
you know, I, I was curious with Butler whether that was during the game or it was before, because like you said, it, it was it was I love him, great player, but you know there are if there was a a, a team that would give him trouble, Towson is definitely one of them. The way they pound the ball inside, so I'd be curious when we play him again how that matchup goes, and especially with Lamari. So we'll see how it goes. But absolutely, and I'm going to be looking to see. Assuming we play Delaware, and we'll get to that. But assuming we play Delaware this Thursday, I think it's Thursday or Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah. If JB will be available, because he did not come back, and he did take a couple of knocks, and Eric, I think he had it right with the abdomen in the back. Probably, I haven't really spoke to anybody what what a particular injury was, but I don't remember him ever leaving a game. I mean, that's a guy who gets beaten on relentlessly every time we play. You know, he his his one job is just to be a big body, and um, to get beaten up like that, and. Uh, be as consistently in the lineup as he's been. You know, he took a serious knock. It would, it would, you would think to be out of that game, and, and you got to hope he bounces back. Yeah. So, and, and we'll, I guess a kind of transition too. So, um, as far as we know, the game is on on Tuesday night. Any word on whether or not it's going to happen? I feel good about it, um, which is not saying it's going to happen. Right? It's <laughs> Delaware's camp, so I'm not going to get any insider knowledge. Yeah. Um, there's probably a couple of friends I can call down there. I will admit to having some friends down at Delaware. But, um, yeah, um, best NCAA just shortened, I believe, the quarantine periods to be in line with CDC guidelines of five days. I don't know if the CAA has adopted that yet. Mm-hmm. But regardless, I think Delaware's pause started like a week ago. Mm-hmm. So they should be able to have had enough that they could, not should, but could have had enough time to get enough people through it mm-hmm. to, to be eligible to play um, on Tuesday. And it's a big game, and I know it's on, I think, NBC Sports Philly. So, actually, it's a, it's a home, game, home game. Home yeah. game. Sorry, yeah, it's this home game for us, but it's, it's still televised, and I, I would imagine they they still uh, they also have a contract with NBC Sports Philly down in Delaware. Everybody wants to be good partners with the uh, financial institutions that support them um, and entertainment distributions. So I think that they will try to play, and, and I'm, I'm optimistic. Have you guys? Will be there. And you guys get a chance to watch any games today? Any thoughts about anything else going on around the league that you saw? I watched our women's team, so and and I didn't get the whole game of that. Um, so no, um, is the short answer. I did see the scoreboard. Um, no, they're the gonna the, the magic of flow sports. You could, you go to one game and you can even highlight and it shows you the little uh, the score. So I was going to the close games, but I guess it, it did. You know, it, I mean, Towson did essentially the same thing to Northeastern that they did to us. I guess the only thing you said, I think Northeastern, they, Bill Cohen was out. They had like three coaches not available. I think they're, and I, I don't know their roster well enough that they had a few players out. So I don't know how shorthanded Northeastern was, but it was reassuring to see Towson sort of dominate another team inside the way they did to us. And even knowing we didn't have our two key post players. So that, that was, that was reassuring. I felt like so. Um, but um, yeah, it looks Northeastern. I'm looking at the box right now, and their lineup wasn't a complete lineup, but they had their their big names, I think. Unless I'm somebody's I'm missing somebody. They had obviously. two, I guess two Notre. I guess I'm learning there right. They had two Notre Dame transfers. One of them had a really nice dunk. He, he put a Towson guy in a poster, and I mean Towson was up like 15, and then it was like Northeastern finally said, "Hey, we're not just going to shoot threes and you know, started getting some easy baskets, but, um, so they made it interesting at the end. It, it, it got a little bit close, but, but again, Towson kind of did what we did, but, um, they did, did the same thing to Northeastern that they did to us. So, um, and it was weird. I, I, I caught a little bit of, um, James Madison and Hofstra and it was like, 
you know, I, I feel like watching our games, we, we play so much in the half court, kind of keep the pace down. And it was like a track meet between those two. They were kind of up and down and it was I think they said something like 20 lead changes or something. And then Hofstra just, you know, kind of took over. James Johnson got really sloppy at the end and Hofstra ended up winning. But, um, but my pressure, those two teams are kind of up and down, kind of the way I thought we were going to be with Zach Spiker. Everybody talked about us running up and down. Um, that's how that game went. Um, so it was kind of helter skelter, but, um, you know, Hofstra ended up making enough plays at the end. So, um, but and yeah. I think did have did have Chris Doherty, but was missing Shaq Walters inside. So they had one of their two big men, you know, prime big men. Shaq Walters has been out three games now. I actually had to look to see if that was COVID or something else. But he was also the one who they were missing when we when Drexel played them in the tournament last year, which I think was a big big help for for Drexel getting past them. So um, possibly you know his, his injury is meaningful to them. And again, it's a three point home win for Towson. Home home court matters, yeah. even even when the courts are empty a little bit. So. Um, they came back home and they did what good teams do, which is slug one out and do it. And Northeastern starting zero and three. They're gonna they're gonna need some help here, um, which is not I think where anybody projected them. I think the other big game for me. I mean, Charleston beats Elon today. I think people probably saw that coming with the way Elon started, but Elon hung Elon hung there, and I still think that they're a threat. They scare me a little bit, um, but Hofstra wins at James Madison. That's 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 a big one. Uh, winning winning at JMU is not going to be easy to do this year. JMU was coming off a layoff. Um, whereas Hofstra played last weekend, so probably a little bit of a benefit to Hofstra there. But Hofstra's a scary team, man. They've got, just got guards, not the guards. And then you have Iola today. He put up a 15-15 and 15 inside against GMU. is a well-coached team. They're on their home court in, in a brand-new arena. They know what they're doing. Um, they've got some talent. So Hofstra going into their house and beating them is, is a message center. The flip side to that, Hofstra's coming off losing to William & Mary. they got a full week to think about it. And um, I think JMU was coming off a pause. So it was a really bad time to be playing Hofstra. Uh, they got what was coming to them a little bit. But still, Hofstra's scary right now. They're looking like uh, I'd rather play, probably play Towson than Hofstra. Maybe not Drexel because of the way we match up with Towson. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as who, who I'd, which horse I'd back the rest of the way, Hofstra looks scary to me. Scary to me. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just trying to look at this in the lens of, like I, I mentioned earlier, you know, was that in the women's conversation? about Penn State basketball. I, I just, I've had so much trouble getting interested in power five basketball. I, I used to be for a period of time in my life, I was a Duke fan and then I, I got sick of them. And then, you know, then I'd follow some of the, the big five schools and you know, lived in North Carolina. So in some ways I watched like Carolina Duke and NC state, but I just, I cannot get interested in, in those teams and looking to get back. I, I used to love watching the CAA you know, back in the day, you know, when we were competitive and, and the VA schools were around. And so I, I'm just like, it's, it is, to me, it's a very entertaining conference. I mean, every game I feel like we've thrown out there, you know, I mean, you know, it's certainly on the women's side and even on the men's side, I'm talking about nothing in games that, that nothing but games that came down to the wire. So I know there's all this talk about, you know, the net ranking and all this, not, you know, where the conference ranks, I just enjoy it because it's, it's, I feel like it's been a pretty entertaining start to the season. So. I think it's a great point. It's very easy to get sucked in by narratives and talk about the conference as a whole, this, that, and the other thing. But they're good games to watch, to your point. They've always been good games to watch in this league. And, and I think the league's gotten better the last couple of years. They kind of dropped off a little bit. I think it is on the upswing. You've got a lot of really good coaches, a lot of coaches that will be going to a higher level in the next couple of years, I think, mm-hmm. in this league. And we've got great respect for Bill Cohn, Mark Byington, um, Alan Boston's where Martin Ingles is a bigger guy than I am. But, you know, he, he looks good. Spiker, he's got a 
championship under his belt and he took over a dumpster fire team, to be honest with you. Um, and now you got Speedy Morris doing making magic at Hofstra. So you got a lot of really smart people around here. Uh, Pat Kelsey at Charleston is a, you know, that was probably the name to move up this year. He's a real big name on the coaching market. He's going to be coaching the Power Five before you know it. So it's a, it's a good league. Um, and you're going you're gonna to get smart basketball. You're going to get good basketball. You're going to get talented basketball, you know, on in major Northeast cities. You know, this is stuff that should be followed. It's just stuff that should be better than it is. Yeah. And I think it's moving in the right direction now. And you throw out pauses and layoffs, and it's unpredictable. So, and speaking of that, do we, do we have time to talk about last year, or you want to save that for another day? What do you think? Uh, let's punt it. Let's punt it. Okay. For Sounds good. We'll, we'll try to fit it in next week. Um, but, um, but, yeah. But, all right. So, I guess as far as schedules go, like we said, you know, looking at hopefully – We'll see Tuesday night, what's at 7 o'clock. That's against Delaware, a home game. And then the women have home games Friday and Sunday. I think Friday is 7 o'clock, and Sunday should be 2 o'clock. So, um, and again, you just see what, what happens, and, and hopefully we get some of these games in. But um, any, anything else you guys want to add before we uh, call the night? And Well, yeah, you look around the men's league, and, and you see Tuesday's slate, and it's a, it's a good slate. I don't know if, if Hofstra Towson's a CBS game or not. That's a five o'clock tip, so I'm suspecting it might be. But Hofstra Towson, I mean, that's a big, big time game, right? Uh, Drexel Delaware is Drexel Delaware. If you're a Drexel <laughs> fan, you got to be there. You got to see it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's obviously the home game for for the Dragons in the deck, so you got to defend your court. Um, who cares who shows up for Drexel? But I, I, you know, at least you're getting Amari Williams back. You're fairly confident there. Yeah. And then uh, the other game that's parallel. There's two games parallel. That William Mary Charleston, which is a bit of a nothing burger for me. Mm-hmm. But Northeastern at James JMU. Northeastern, second game in a road swing. Really tough spot to be in. Probably still down Jack Walters. But, you know, they're risking going to 0-4. Um, whereas JMU's risking going to 0-2 at home to start the season. These are two teams that were supposed to be competing for the league title. One of them is going to be, maybe not eliminated, but in real bad shape coming out of this game. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge game. Huge game for both those programs mm-hmm. um, as far as this year goes. So really some... Some really fun basketball to your point, Nate. These games are good to watch. You get three good ones on the slate, really good ones on the slate for this Tuesday. It's a should be a special day for the league. And I hope they uh, they broadcast that and get that out there. All right, Eric. Anything you want to add before we call the night yeah. and go watch uh, what the Chargers and the uh, who are they playing? Chargers and Raiders take a knee and tie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, all I could say is with all these games being postponed, I mean, we're going to have a fantastic february i think yeah hopefully by that point COVID will be coming down we're gonna have a lot of you know for all the games we miss now hoping we can make them all up come february we're gonna have we're gonna be jam-packed we're gonna have three games a week a week it's a great point being up to the yeah. tournaments can be tournaments can be fun it's funny i was looking at that this week eric i'm glad you said it and brought it up as is we were talking about the uh the tournament from last year if we're gonna touch on that this week and we'll push it back but i was looking at the schedule from last year and this year Played one game in February, or at least towards the end of February last year, was that at JMU game, which was basically a tune-up for the tournament, which was at JMU, right? It was a perfect game for them to play as a tune-up. On the court, the tournament's going to be played at against a really good team. You know, it was, it was a great way. But otherwise, basically had February off, or the back half of February off. This, you know, that may have benefited them in the tournament. This is going to be the opposite. This is going to be, they're playing, the schedule is insanity, really, for this team. They've got like a fight to Wilmington, probably chartering, right? You're just going to bomb out of Wilmington, come back same day if you can on a Monday, squeezed into the schedule. They've got, I mean, all these makeup games are going to be just kind of be mayhem. Um, 
it's going to be really hard for everybody. But Drexel's schedule in particular looks the fact that the games they had canceled were, were road games, so you got to sneak in, and we're we're long distance road games makes the rescheduling part of that really hard. It's going to put a bit more of a challenge on the Dragons this season um, and kind of play out the exact the opposite as last year's did. And if you like the way the last season went, you kind of don't like that. Because um, last season they win a title. So we'll see how they get through kind of a, a brutal February. Let's hope they happen. Yeah, Melissa and I were, were talking, we went to the farm show today and you were like, it just a lot of reasons why there weren't many people there. And we one of the reasons we thought too is because everybody's sick. So, you know, hopefully it's kind of running its course now and, and by February, yeah, we can, you know, be be more confident that these things are going to happen. And, and Dan, like you were saying, yeah, that's a great a great week to stay home and, uh, you know, spend time with your family. So whether you got college football, national championship, Monday, CAA games and the magic of flow sports, you can, you know, you don't, you could watch a game Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then you're not out at a restaurant getting sick, doing all that kind of stuff. So ways to be safe and then. Got to get it out there. The Chili Bowl, which is probably the biggest midget race of the whole year. And if you use Flow Sports Monday through Friday, I mean, it's like probably four or five hours of qualifying nights. And then Saturday, they start with an O main at like, so if you do your alphabet, um, actually, they're talking about a P main this year because so many people are there. So use your Flow subscription, stay home, don't get sick so that, again, we can get this out of here and, and hopefully even be happier. But we'll see what happens. Oh, I appreciate that note from Dr. Nate, and I think it's, it's, it's well put. I'll note for the listener who's not otherwise engaged that the midget racing is not a literal term. Uh, <laughs> I always have to be – I always wonder about that. Like, people are like, oh, man, he's such a jerk. He's talking about midgets. So, that's a, so I could spend all the time – yeah, there's so much different racing and everything. But, it, but yeah, it, yeah, but use it. Be safe. Stay home. We'll get through this one way or another. So The London um, numbers are going down, so that's always a precursor to your – yeah. they just turn the corner. I was looking ahead on the on the calendar real quick for for the Dragons, and I, I am seeing they're actually in Matthews, um, the oldest arena in the conference, uh, by far. Um, come Saturday, and the so they head up to Northeastern, and so now I'm really rooting for Northeastern in Harrisonburg because I do not want the Dragons to be going to 0 4 Northeastern on the road. Um, that's that's not a good setup to be victorious. Mm. So let's let's root for let's put a rooting interest on that JMU Northeastern game and, and pull for those Huskies. Yeah. All right. All right, well, anything else you guys got? That's it. That's it. Be fun. All right, have a great week, everybody.